Happy Saturday, everybody. This is Matt Berman, uh, made from scratch. And today I want to talk about starting Q3 off with a bang. So it's the first day of the third quarter, which means that everyone's trying to figure out where to spend their budget, how to hit their numbers, looking at the reality of the business. It's, you know, we're at the second half of the year now. Shit is getting very exciting and very real. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I. You know, I, I think a lot about consistency, especially with performance, right? So you're putting content out consistently every day, um, getting better every week, every month, every quarter. Um, and then there's also seasonal changes and seasonal realities to the way that business goes, like people set up their own plans. And, and most industries kind of work the same way. There's certain forces that are at play that dictate or dominate the way different people um, interact and engage with their business. There's also regional, seasonal changes and, and whatnot. And so today, you know, I've got a little bit of time before I've got um, things to do the rest of the day. And I'm going to be taking a look at how do I hit the ground running on Monday, knowing that Tuesday is a holiday and that most people are off. And so, you know, it's another challenge. Like if, if you're someone who likes to drive, 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 how do you do that when everyone else is mentally checked out? Well, one of the ways you can do that is in your strategy and planning. So one of the things I'm gonna be doing is looking really hard at all of the strategy and planning I've been developing the last couple of weeks to move forward and look into Q3 and how to close a lot of business, make a big difference, and grow and evolve. So that's what I encourage anyone out there who's um, running your own business, building your own business, and thinking about Q3 because I know that this is like a ding, you know, it's like a, a seminal moment in the year for companies. So start it out with a bang, you know, do something that's going to drive you forward, especially if you plan on um, enjoying your independence on Tuesday um, or Canada Day today if you're uh, up there in Canada. So start off with a bang, do something big and dream really, really big. You have to have a big vision um, to match your drive and intensity and you have to drive intensely to achieve that vision. Bang, bang. Being pessimistic is dangerous, but also incredibly valuable. So, you know, anything in this extreme can be bad, right? But, you know, being pessimistic is often viewed as a negative because, well, it's a disposition towards the negative. So a pessimist is going to look at a situation and always find where it's likely to fail, what's not going to succeed, um, what's bad about something, all that kind of stuff. And we're sort of taught, especially as kids, to be optimistic, you know, hopeful, think, uh, think things are going to work out, positive mental attitude. And, uh, you know, my grandfather used to talk a lot about positive mental attitude. And I think that kind of mental toughness is critical, especially when things get really rough and really raw. However, if you're a strategist, an analyst, a manager, um, a salesperson, in marketing, whatever, if you're in business at all, I think you need to train your pessimist organ heavily because what that does is it forces you to drive creativity. So if you come up with the most brilliant and masterful plan um, and you think you've thought it through and you feel really good and optimistic about it, you better tear it to shreds. You better be um, like playing chess against yourself, you know, think like the competition. How would that not work? Think like the market. How would they not care? Um, what if you don't execute A, B, and C? 
you know, because y- you ought to have like 25 different plans that you can or will be enacting to achieve any one goal because the reality is, especially now in such disruptive and accelerated, fast-paced times, it's, it's near impossible to say with any certainty what kind of campaign is going to work, what kind of content will hit. Um, you know, yeah, there's a lot of data out there and a lot of algorithmic calculations you can make, but, but truth be told is marketing especially is an art and a science. And if you're not capable of tearing your own plans to shred, rebuilding from the ground up and coming up with something new again and again and again and again and again, when you inevitably do fail, you're going to have your thumb up your ass confused as to what happened, why it happened and what you can do as opposed to thinking through as many possible scenarios as you can. So if you're incapable or unwilling to be pessimistic, you better hire or find somebody who is so that they can trash your ideas and make sure that they stand the test of time because you really ought to be able to also accurately and intelligently defend your plans of action and courses of action. So learn to be pessimistic. It's hella good. Here's why humility is so important to me as a business person and as a character trait because I'm going to be wrong so many times in a given day um, about a certain subject while I'm trying to figure something out. And I'm, I'm a discoverer, an explorer. I'm, I'm not so certain about a lot of stuff. Um, but when I am, or when I feel confident, I get convicted um, about stuff. And I drive hard in the paint about it. And you know what? Sometimes even when I think I'm really, really right, I'm not. I'm wrong. And, uh, you know, my wife, who's my business partner, she has incredible uh, insight into my character and she will tell me when I'm dead ass wrong. And uh, it sucks and it hurts, but, you know, being able to bring myself to uh, that point of humility is what allows me to do that for or to other people. So when I see someone being arrogant or resentful or deceitful, I can see through it because I've challenged myself to that to that level. I've seen the ugly side of myself. I'm not afraid of it. You know, I know I'm not a perfect person. That's why I don't espouse too much, you know, clear cut advice, um, especially in blanket statements. You know, every single person is very unique. And so I think that there's only so many things that really apply to everybody. Um, And I try and find those. But, you know, for the most part, I think that when people are humble, they're capable of figuring things out for themselves. So when when someone comes to me for help or advice or, um, you know, when we're consulting with a client, I take a very humble approach, but a very uh, tough approach, which is to say that, you know, people need to learn how to humble themselves in order to figure out what's going on inside themselves. Because if you, if you are too full of yourself, okay, so confidence is great. If you're too full of yourself, you don't see your flaws, which is bad. Um, now, Ignoring certain flaws in order to move on, that might be good. But for the most part, especially if you're interested in personal growth and development and leading people um, and and managing people, see, there's another distinction, right? I think that that most people are um, would would say that leaders are more important than managers. I know that that's not a fact, but I think that if you look at people and you ask them, would you like to be a leader or a manager? They probably see those things as mutually exclusive and they probably lean heavily towards leaders are more important, more powerful or whatever. And that that's maybe even true. But here's the thing. Not all leaders are great managers. You see this a lot. There are a lot of uh, heads of companies who are incredible leaders, but when it comes to uh, managing their staff or um, 
engaging with their staff, developing a relationship with those people. It's difficult for people who have um, a high tendency toward leadership characteristics. There's a balance that you need to find in in the ability to, to manage people because when you're a leader, you're looked at almost up on a pedestal. And uh, it's very difficult to forge a relationship with people who have you up on a pedestal. That's why great leaders need to hire and find great managers um, if they're not capable, interested, willing to develop the skill of management. Um, and I think that we need to start instilling in young people that all of the positions in a company are incredibly valuable and valid. So, you know, not everyone's going to make it to the top. Okay. If they did, there would no longer be a top and the point would be proven again. So humility, huge, 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 um, thing to practice and engage with. And how do you practice being humble? You criticize yourself. And you allow yourself to be criticized and you allow yourself to be challenged because that's what's going to humble you. And if you're capable of rising out of that criticism like a phoenix, you'll be incredibly powerful. You'll be able to lead people, manage people, and make amazing things happen. So practice humility. It is possible and it makes a big difference. As I've grown up, I've become more and more thankful for my education and my formal education as somebody who likes to buck a lot of status quo and change a lot of stuff um you know i don't always think back as much on those kind of things but as i do i'm so thankful especially for my middle school education you know most people look at their high school or kindergarten or well, kindergarten was actually pretty powerful for me too but i'm just going to talk about my middle school education because i was fortunate enough to be in an interdisciplinary block program which means that I had three core teachers for history, science, and English through um, three years during middle school. And those teachers taught their lessons together. So if we were learning about the Civil War, we would be learning about, you know, in history, we'd be learning about whatever medicine was like and what literature was like during that time period. So it, it gave us a very wide swath and also very finite understanding of specific things. And um, it had me appreciate, now that I look back, on the core fundamental principles that distinguish things. So, you know, history, science, and English are very, very different, of course. Um, and there's an interconnectivity between those things. They don't exist completely independently. They're somehow dependent on each other and based on each other, reactive to each other. And I think that's something that's gone away or been missing or that I'm realizing now few people grew up understanding um, and I see it happen in the business world all the time, and I see it happen in technology. People get too laser focused and they lose sight of the bigger picture. So ironically, if you wanna be able to focus on the bigger picture, you have to be able to draw interdisciplinary connections and train yourself to operate on multiple levels at one time. I was just listening to Gary Vaynerchuk's uh, segment on Anchor talking about why people respond to something they don't like or aren't happy with with negativity. And uh, I sat back and I thought about it a little bit because I think that, you know, you could have asked that question about people a decade ago and it would have been similar answers but maybe a little bit uh, more distinct now that we've got all these different channels. So here's my take on why that's the case and a possible solution or at least the direction that we can all work on um, to ensure that there's overall more positivity and collaboration. So I think there's sort of a best case, worst case scenario when you're experiencing someone um, commenting, responding, or acting negatively towards you, especially in the digital world. So the worst case is that that person is a troll. 
and dealing with a troll is like dealing with drunk people. Um, you know, they get hateful about most things. Trolls do. It's a very narcissistic personality. Um, they're often kind of stupid uh, because they're lazy and they don't do the work to actually engage in any kind of constructive thing. Their whole thing is like the Joker. They're, they're after chaos. So, you know, that's a whole set of uh, communication principles you have to learn to be able to deal with people like that and come out relatively unscathed. Um, the best case scenario is that the negativity that people um, experience is actually constructive feedback or some kind of dialogue that might get misinterpreted. So, you know, if that's the case, if someone's being negative, but it's in a critical way, in a way where there's some sort of dialogue available, that could ultimately yield a positive. You know, not every conversation needs to be sunshines and rainbows, but um, as long as there's some sort of desire to work together and find a solution, that's probably your best case scenario of where negativity um, is what people are responding to with stuff they don't like. Now, the next best situation is that someone is actually, they turn to a very negative tilt only because they were trying to be constructive, but got misunderstood or they lack power, ability and understanding or self-awareness. So, you know, they thought they had something positive to add to the conversation. They didn't, they find out, they get embarrassed and then they backpedal and they end up, you know, ultimately being, being even more negative. Now, the most common case I think for why the immediate response is negativity is because of an overwhelming surrounding fear uh, feeling of fear mixed with the fast-paced processing and uh, accelerated miscommunication so not everybody processes information the same speed the same way uh, so forth and when you're dealing with especially written communications, not many people are really so great at writing. And we also, it takes, you know, Jordan Peterson talks about this a lot. It takes sometimes talking things out to even get your own opinion about stuff. And we're also, as human beings, not wired to be like always so positive. So if you're trying to work something out and, you know, 10 people comment calling you uh, a negative name or something terrible or threaten you or something, that's an immediate response to fear, um, you know, getting death threats or is like really extreme examples, people doxing and whatever, you know, that gets your backup, especially if it was all started over some misunderstanding or miscommunication. Um, and a lot of people are not great at humbling themselves if they misunderstood somebody's critique or whatever. It happens all the time when you read emails and stuff. So what's the solution? Um, I don't think the solution is to fixate on, on being positive, so to speak, because that ends up um, sometimes translating into people being fake nice, which is disgusting and, and harmful in itself. Um, but, but not to be in, inherently negative. The idea, I think, should be that we all develop more critical thinking and a little bit of discernment. So if someone responds to something that you put out and it appears negative, I think the first question to ask yourself is, are they serious? Like, is this a serious criticism of me or this thing, or are they just trolling? Because if they're just trolling, then though it will hurt, sure, um, you're probably not gonna be able to change people like that. That's just like a new psychological norm that we have. Next question is, can I have a dialogue? So is this person somebody who is capable of having a repartee and getting to a reasonable end? Because if not, then you probably also ought to let it go and just not engage. Um, 
and maybe figure out a way to help people communicate better in those kind of situations. So I think if we start asking ourselves these kind of questions, it, there's a much easier time responding. It's easier to let go of negativity. And hopefully, you know, out of the thousands of people who respond with hateful bullshit, there might be one or two capable of holding a real and decent conversation and furthering along culture, for furthering along business, and ultimately transforming ourselves into better people. So hopefully that helps. That's my take on why people say hateful shit. Um, peace.